0: In anticipation of our next episode of Science we're heading into space for a special ish. You want to try saying that, Michael?
1: Special ish. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: this special ish will be tying in with Interstellar, uh, which is a Christopher Nolan film where the human race search out a new habitable planet. Weirdly, science fiction is maybe not that far from reality, given that there is this new initiative called Mars One that has been launched in the
1: Netherlands. Uh, Michael, what's it about? So Mars One is a not-for-profit foundation. Its aim is to establish a permanent human, human settlement on Mars. Easy for you to say. And it's funded by a reality TV show. Well, Can I start why, bit again now? No, why aren't I hosting it? That's exactly <laughs> you, the kind of you low can't stuff I host. host every reality TV show. Why
2: not? Would? Mars One will establish human settlement on Mars in 2023. In that year... The first group of four humans will land on Mars.
1: So they've been recruiting people from all over the world, whittled them down to the last 100, and they will head off to NASA for training this summer. This sounds like good fun. It sounds (laughs) like... I'd quite like to watch it. We'll watch it for sure. I'll tell you why, Rick. They're preparing for a mission which will be a one-way journey to Mars. Just run that by me again. One way. One way. Oh, great. (laughs) So... What
0: type of person has signed up for this?
2: My name's Ryan MacDonald. I'm a theoretical astrophysicist working at the Institute of Astronomy of the University of Cambridge. My day-to-day role involves looking for tentative signs, hopefully in the near future, of evidence of basic microbial life on planets orbiting other stars. Early days, but we're making some fascinating steps towards that long-term goal. Well, the answer to my question who's signing
0: up this guy nine ignition sequence start six five four three two one zero all engine running liftoff we have a
2: liftoff everyone at a young age seems to have that passion that interest for exploring the unknown and wanting to know how the universe works we're all curious when we're children. And I suppose as a scientist, I'm just one of those children that never quite grew up and never lost that curiosity.
1: You can now join in the conversation by following us on Twitter at science underscore ish. That's at science underscore ish.
0: One small step for man. One giant
2: leap for man.
0: Columbia, Columbia, this is Houston. AOS,
2: over. Houston, Columbia, nine. I always had the back of my mind, I will choose whatever science has the most space in it. That was what really excited me. I was devastated when I went on holiday with my family one year and realized that that was the one week when we happened to be covering space in school. And I was like, no! For me... Although I was physically in school and my mind was not, I was always elsewhere trying to think of interesting issues and interesting problems. I would, and this, this wasn't just scientific problems, I would just drift away and think, hmm, what are the biggest problems facing the world at the moment? Hmm, how would I solve climate change and just make some sketches, for instance? And then when I would go home, that's when I would actually do my studying and learning because then I would watch documentaries, I would read books, for instance. I would always ask, why is this the case? Why does that hold and want to teach myself more. And so then I identified quite early on that physics was the science that contained space, mysteries about the universe, how the world works. And so I decided that before I can go on into astrophysics and astronomy, I want to have a very good understanding of the fundamental laws of nature so I can then apply them to the context of space. So when you looked at it from that perspective, it makes absolute sense that I've also had this this parallel excitement about human space and whether I could go to space myself. But perhaps that was kindled most recently. So in 2010, I was fortunate enough to be invited to attend the launch of the UK Space Agency, where I had the chance to meet Major Tim Peake, our own official British astronaut. And so I had a chance to meet someone who was a British person who was actually going to go into space. I suddenly realised that it is now possible for me to realise my own childhood dream of going to space myself one day.
0: Thank you.
2: But I didn't really get a chance to manifest that until Mars 1 came along. Now, this is remarkable in that the reason that they're able to even consider doing this over a decade before even NASA applying their own Mars trip is because they've elected to go for a one-way mission architecture as opposed to a classical-style return mission, meaning that they want to send people to go to Mars and live there and stay there. I mean, why would you want to come back? I mean, just consider poor Neil Armstrong, when he went to the moon and returned, he spent the rest of his life trying to avoid the attention that garnered. He was a very quiet and um, thoughtful individual. As I see it, the second that you return from Mars, the mission is then over, you're then no longer achieving new science, and so for me, it makes so much more sense to stay there, continue with your research, and whilst you're on Mars, you can still speak to schoolchildren around the world, you still have communications, so you can continue to inspire young people around the world and achieve new scientific results. The science is what drives me as an individual, but I always keep in the back of my mind the inspirational effect, because I know that by going to Mars and staying there, we can have a much greater effect than if we just go there, scoop up some rocks, and then return.
0: They've got the flag up now, and you can see the stars and stripes from
1: the window. Are you getting a TV picture now, Justin? Neil, yes, we are getting a TV picture. You're in our field of view now.
2: The big factor that drew me towards wanting to go to Mars myself. And indeed it's the same factor that's drew me towards my own astrophysics research is the question of whether there might be life elsewhere in the universe. So we have good constraints from our current understanding of how life started on the earth, that basically as soon as the earth was habitable, life spontaneously arose. But that's just a theory at the moment. We would like to understand in more general terms what is life, how does it work, and are we alone in the universe? And Mars is an ideal testing bed for that hypothesis, because Mars was a habitable planet 4 billion years ago. It's obviously gone quite downhill since, and we would like to understand what happened to Mars, why is it in its current state, is there still life there? If not, was there ever life on Mars? Because this leads me to wonder, is it that we've got incredibly fortunate, and that there's some incredibly unlikely sequence of events in order to get to where we are today, and we're the lucky ones, or more concerning, is there some event in the future of our civilization sometimes called the great filter that no civilizations in practice ever get past? This is a very fundamental question about the entire future of our civilization and our species, and so I find it absolutely fascinating and if if my research can go any way towards potentially suggesting an answer to that by looking for signs of life elsewhere in the universe that 's what drives me that 's what caused me so it 's By looking out into the universe, we're actually looking inwards and better understanding ourselves. What I find absolutely remarkable about being a conscious organism is that even though I'm an absolutely small, minute part of the universe with a little computer in my head, I can understand on the deepest level the smallest constituents of the universe, how the universe itself began, what the future and the past of space and time is, and to think that a small part of the universe can understand the entire universe through the means of our optic nerve, just when we look up at the night sky, that, that's incredible. It's almost like we are a way for the universe to know itself. That's where I fit into the universe. And if anything that I can do in my research can provide a new insight, something that wasn't known before, that can then be shared with our entire species, that's how I fit in if I can make even the smallest discovery that was not known before. Then I've made a net contribution.
0: I am the Martian Ambassador.
1: We come in peace. We come in peace. We come in peace. We come in peace. peace. They came in peace. You broke me up for this. Oh, nice one. No, not in any way, shape or form would I do this.
0: If you didn't have a family or any friends, so part of that, yeah. easy to imagine, Yeah, would you do it?
1: No, no, I've no not. interest. It's not an exciting place to be, is it? Earth is pretty nice. There's lots to explore here. Being on Mars, being in a vast, dry desert, there's nothing good about it. It's cold, it's miserable.
0: There must be a, like a part of you that thinks it would be quite cool to set foot on Mars.
1: The only thing I'd like to do is see Earth from space. I would love to see Earth from space, uh, but I'd like to go back down again afterwards, please.
0: Have they yeah. have the Dutch people uh, approached you at all about maybe being the sort of scientific voice so <laughs> that you'd be brilliant? <laughs> well, if it's any, um, if it's of any interest, I'd love to see you set foot on Mars.
1: Yeah, I would. bet you would. If you're about the only person around that doesn't have TV coverage of the scene. That's right, I don't mind a bit Need more science? Of course you do Head over to RadioWolfGang.com to find out more about becoming a member and downloading our app, which allows you full access to all the episodes of Science-ish You can now join in the conversation by following us on Twitter at Science underscore ish, that's at science underscore ish.